This episode of the Retro Network Time Machine is brought to you by Retro Days, a fun online community at retro-daze.org and the Retro Days YouTube channel featuring the RD's Retro Detention series. Click the links in today's show notes to connect now. And by HalloweenCostumes.com, the biggest and best selection of Halloween costumes, accessories, and decorations online. The biggest selection means over 10,000 costumes from your favorite pop culture properties in comics, video games, movies, television, and more. The best selection means costumes to fit anyone. Kids, parents, couples, groups, plus size, and even sexy costumes. And of course, HalloweenCostumes.com has the best retro costume selection, including Optimus Prime and Bumblebee transforming costumes in adult and kid sizes. Disney, Ghostbusters, Cobra Kai, Back to the Future, Teen Wolf, ALF, Beetlejuice, The Smurfs, and more, including over 3,500 exclusive designs. And don't forget one of the Retro Network's favorite items, those ugly Halloween sweaters. Check out the brand new designs for 2021 like Scooby-Doo, Pennywise, and Care Bears. Plus, you can now get the ugly Halloween sweater designs on face masks. Click over to HalloweenCostumes.com right now using the Retro Network's promo link in today's show notes and save 20% off one in-stock item now through November 6th, 2021. HalloweenCostumes.com the only place you need to shop this Halloween season. The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Your vehicle to the past doesn't need roads or even 1.21 gigawatts. It's the Retro Network Time Machine with Jason and Mickey! It's time to double back to our pop culture past with the Retro Network Time Machine. You've got Jason here, and uh, Mickey is away this week. Uh, told me something about meeting some Libyans for some plutonium. Uh, I think we hear about out of supplies for the time machine, so uh, he is away this week. But I've got a guest pilot on this episode. You've heard his voice before. Old school Tim. Hey, Tim. Hello. Thanks for having me. Always yes. happy to keep Mickey's seat in the time machine warm if if necessary. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, pleasure to have you here again. Uh, fitting for the topic for this episode, which we did not plan. Uh, Mickey just kind of hit me somewhat last minute. And uh, being uh, 80s, traveling back to the 80s, uh, who else would be perfect to join me than old school Tim at old school 80s on Twitter? Uh, what you been up to, man? How you been? Been okay. I can't believe uh, summer is basically done and yeah. school's starting here in, in our neck of the woods and football season's going to be here yeah. Yeah. soon, all that kind of stuff. Weather starting to change a little bit, so it's a fun time of year. I lament the weather, the cool weather. We still have not got that, even after all the big storms. We're still in the 90s today, so uh, yeah, I, I need a little blast of fall before too long here but <laughs> typically it doesn't come around labor day it's usually more towards uh halloween so i'll just uh keep my fingers crossed on that that we'll get a blast of some nice fall weather soon uh even though all the fall decorations and goodies and stuff are starting to hit the stores uh, so i was in walmart today i was 
oogling over some uh, Halloween candy already. So <laughs> pumpkin spice season is in full effect already. Absolutely, absolutely. And speaking of uh, Halloween, did want to make a quick mention. You probably heard at the uh, top of the show that uh, we're being sponsored by HalloweenCostumes.com again now through Halloween, actually a little bit after Halloween through November 6th. We've got a promo link in the show notes. You click over and 20% off one item is added automatically to your cart. So uh, proud to partner with them again. We uh, featured some of those wonderful Halloween sweaters over on the site this week. I'm not sure if you got a chance to see that, Tim, but those are uh, becoming, uh, have quickly become one of our favorite things to kind of sift through as we do each year for HalloweenCostumes.com. Yeah, it's amazing what they start putting together. And, you know, that term ugly sweater started, but the stuff they start to make there, I mean, it's it's definitely uh, eye-catching, but yes. not necessarily what I would call ugly anymore. I mean, yeah, no. Some pretty cool stuff. Gaudy Halloween sweaters <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're definitely not ugly. They uh, definitely capture your eye. And I saw this year, that's thanks to COVID, they're doing the uh, the patterns on masks as well. So you can uh, buy a sweater and get a matching mask if you want to as well. So plus tons of new costumes that we'll be highlighting as we uh, get closer to Halloween. But I uh, did want to thank them again for sponsoring us and all of the shows on the Retro Network now through Halloween. So uh, we've been doing this uh, fun little segment, Tim, to uh, start things off where I've been telling, asking Mickey, have you heard about the certain things going on? And I thought we'd still keep that going. Sounds good. Have you heard Top Gun Maverick has been pushed to Memorial Day 2022 now? Yes, I just heard that and very disappointing if felt uh, like it was going to be here any moment and it just keeps slipping out of our grasp. <laughs> it's, you know, uh, I think it's the third time that's moved. Uh, Ghostbusters actually moved as well, but just one week to, I think it's November 19th now. So still around my birthday. I'm still hoping that will hold up because I I was ready to see Top Gun and Ghostbusters in the theater. But, you know, now it's just Ghostbusters. And I don't know. I don't know why, you know, they keep blaming on COVID and, you know, stuff popping up. And you still got all these movies through HBO Max that are doing the dual thing. And I don't understand why they're not doing some things like that. Uh, I can't remember which company is releasing those two. If it's the same company and they just haven't worked out a deal with one of the streaming services. But at first, you know, HBO Max was kind of scorned by the industry for doing that. But I think it's been a win-win for everybody. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's that lawsuit by Scarlett Johansson to Disney Plus. Because she was getting a percentage of the box office take, not a percentage of the total, uh, I guess, the fees you get from streaming it. So I think... when so many people are watching it at home, it could affect somebody in that regard. But I still haven't been back to an actual movie theater yet. I had been, like you said, planning on, I was probably, Top Gun was probably the one that was going to mm-hmm. get me there. Um, but with being able to watch them at home and having that convenience and the price is comparable, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't mind that route unless there's huge special effects or 
or some reasoning that uh, yeah. could watch it. But if I had a place like Mickey's Theater, you know, then, then <laughs> I definitely wouldn't be leaving those. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. So I don't, yeah, that's just, it's kind of frustrating now as a fan who's very eager to see the movie to keep waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And if the movie is not reviewed well, <laughs> then what do you do? You know, I don't know. Right. But, the anticipation keeps get growing. You almost your, your expectations get even better as it gets delayed. Right. Just yeah. see it and, and get it over with. But at this point, I don't know how how they could top the first one but yeah you you almost just have to like cut your losses and release the movie get it to people so they can start buying it on streaming and whatever you know you're at least getting some of the revenue back that you put into it and i don't know but the more you delay it just gets more and more irritating as a movie fan but anyway uh have you heard tim they are bringing back the virtual event dc fandome this year for comic book enthusiasts. Are you a big comic book fan? I had been at one point in my life for actually a couple different points. I was when I was younger and then I kind of went away and then I kind of came back for a while at this mm-hmm. point, not as much as I had been, but um, I still follow it a little bit, but not a regular reader anymore. I, but I had not heard about the, the DC event. Yeah. Fandom. They had, I believe put it on last year and it's like, like I said, it's a virtual event that uh, just gathers mainly DC fans, obviously to uh, their properties and they give you uh, new trailers and things like that. So this year it's uh, October 16th at uh, 10 AM Pacific. So I guess that's what one P whatever, whatever it is, Eastern Uh, their official website, dcfandom.com is going to have, uh, some new trailers. They're going to have the first The Batman trailer, which I'm excited to see. Uh, they're going to look behind the scenes of Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, which I think is the follow-up to the uh, first Aquaman movie. And and then uh, Shazam! Fury of the Gods, which is the next installment in uh, that series with uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson as Black Adam. And also the Flash movie that's been uh, often delayed Ezra Miller, Michael Keaton, Ben Affleck in that movie. So a lot of those ones that people are ready to see or ready to get some information on, you won't have to wait too much longer, just about a month. And they're going to talk about some other properties as well. Uh, Supergirl is apparently in her last season, so they're kind of going to put her, give her a farewell tribute uh, along the way. They're going to look at, uh, I guess there's a new, did you see the new Suicide Squad? Do you get HBO Max? Yes, I do. I did see that. I enjoyed it. I, I heard you were kind of not as strong on it, but uh-huh. I kind of uh, like the humor and I like uh, his style of, of telling those stories. Mm-hmm. So I thought I liked it. They're actually putting on a TV series for the Peacemaker, the John Cena character. So they're going to get some more information about that as well. Uh, and then some other fun little projects. There was uh, an animated series that's uh, called Bat Wheels. It's like all the Batman characters in like a car form. So, uh, and the Teen Titans Go, which has been a popular series. Uh, there's also a Harley Quinn, uh, more adult uh, animated series. You're going to get some more information about that. So, 
DC is primarily the characters that I will uh, watch or uh, get into the most uh, versus the Marvel ones, but I I do watch pretty much everything that comes my way. Uh, so that's uh, that's coming October 16th for uh, you uh, comic book fans out there. And finally, have you heard Twix is doing a salted caramel flavor coming nationwide September 13th? I thought that was uh, sounding pretty fantastic. That salted caramel and pretzel, you, you mixed all that together with ice cream. That's like my wife's favorite, so... <laughs> that seems I, like a natural, just uh, that Twix style and add that mm-hmm. salted caramel to it. And then I've been seeing Mountain Dew Voodoo popping up. People have been finding that in stores already. I think primarily in Walmart, but uh, it looks like it was just maybe the 12-pack uh, of cans again or something instead of releasing individual bottles. But that's rolling out soon. I've seen a few reviews pop online. I've tried to avoid them because I want to do the little taste test with the kids and try to guess uh, the new Mountain Dew Voodoo flavor. But do you get any any of those mystery flavors? You know, I try them. I I've been a Mountain Dew drinker since I can remember, and uh, and I I love the original flavor. It's hard for any of them. Like when I get down to it, it's like I just rather have the the right. original Mountain Dew versus the some of these way. flavors, but I, I did like the Christmas one. Um, mm-hmm. I can't remember what was it called, but uh, I know. Yeah, I remember. I remember what you're talking about. Yeah, that one was probably my favorite of the special flavors that I've tried. Some of them just feel like they put too much into it. And it oh yeah, yeah. The major melon. Wow, that was like yeah. pure sugar. <laughs> yep. So I try them all just because, you know, it's <laughs> there, but, uh, but I always kind of come back to the original. Okay. Okay. One more before we uh, jump in the time machine. Have you heard over on Lego ideas, the A team van and crew project has now 10,000 supporters. So, uh, that's kind of the magic number that uh, Lego officially looks at a project over there on Lego Ideas. I'm excited about this, probably even more so than the uh, Play Mobile version that uh, Mickey brought to the table a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I I did see that. I believe I might even saw it from you. (laughs) (laughs) Probably, yeah. (laughs) Because you're so excited, but the picture looks awesome. I agree with you. I mean, I had the Playmobile stuff when I was young and like that, but I think Legos is more uh, interesting mm-hmm. looking. I think and, uh, it's about time. So they, they finally agreed to do this. It just seems like such yeah. a natural. Yeah. I do hope that they uh, prove that, get that going. Cause it does have all the fun little accessories too, as I'm looking through some of the pictures here and Murdoch has his little uh, Socko hand on it. <laughs> <laughs> so they've got the details down. Well, it's pretty uh, awesome. They just, uh, released the a-team on the peacock network as well so that's pretty cool that maybe with that finally getting out there for streaming and um yeah maybe that'll help as well absolutely uh and just a little plug for mickey because he's been doing the uh, retro streaming guide each month now so he released his uh september picks just a few days ago on retro rambling so go check that out every time i read that 
all I think about is I just don't have enough time to watch all the things <laughs> that I wish I could watch. Cause yeah, just the retro stuff alone could take up all my time, let alone trying to keep up with any of the newer things on top of that. It's yeah, there's just yeah. too many choices nowadays. It it does get overwhelming at sometimes, but uh, I, I don't know. I, there's some of those lists like that, that I'll draw a little inspiration from like this whole, bunny trail i went down and watching old tom hanks movies like the comedies from the 80s and early 90s and just seeing some of those on stream i was like all right let me just go down and i'll start watching some of these i had never seen before so you can take those lists and if there's a a nice string of those available on streaming it makes it pretty easy to uh burn through a bunch of them but at least for me anyway All right, well, uh, let's go ahead and uh, jump in our time machine. And as I always ask Mickey, where are we going this week, Tim? I believe we're going back 35 years to 1986. That's correct. And uh, like I said, I'm glad you're along for the ride, as we're both uh, 80s historians, I'll say. (laughs) And uh, we're going to do another one of our fun time capsule episodes and Take you through the year, uh, just kind of give you a good temperature of 1986, essentially. All the uh, events that were going on uh, in pop culture, like music and movies, television. We're also going to throw some uh, comics in there. We're going to throw some video games and toys and uh, even some food items, sports. So uh, that will be really fun. We're going to just kind of burn through those, see if we can come up with a little item that we want to put in the 1986 time capsule as well as we go through each section. So if you're ready, Tim, let's take off and head back to 1986. All right, here we are in 1986. And what I'd like to do uh, with our time capsule, Tim, is just uh, where were we in life in 1986? Uh, Where were you living? What was going on? Uh, I was nine. I was turning 10 in November of 1986. So fourth grade uh, going into fifth grade there in school. I was uh, living in my little one stoplight town in Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. And this would have been prime biking to buzzards time to our, my little general store that was in town getting candy and trading cards and stuff. So that's one uh, major thing that kind of went through my mind as I'm trying to put myself back in 1986. What was uh, going on with you in 86? For me, I was 13 and uh, that would have been finishing up seventh grade and starting eighth grade that that fall and i lived in milwaukee in, in the city of milwaukee many more stoplights than, than your town <laughs> yeah. <at>. yes <laughs> um, and uh yeah that was you know that middle of that 80s was right there when i was growing up and really you know getting into all the pop culture stuff in a huge way so yeah. you know a lot of good memories from from those years so. yeah yeah i was kind of think you know what i was doing for fun and this was probably the time that I was being introduced to like the Nintendo Entertainment System at my friend Tim's house, playing uh, Super Mario Brothers and uh, some of the games that he had. We were probably still deep into GI Joe and 
uh, playing outside too. Uh, that was a huge thing for us playing army or whatever you want to call it. GI Joe in the woods, <laughs> setting yeah. up bases and tree houses and tree stands and all kinds of stuff like that. That was one of our big things to do around this time. Uh, anything yeah. you can think of as far as doing for fun? Yeah, we, even though I grew up in the city, we had, um, some parks right around us that had some woods and stuff. So, you know, we love to do some of that stuff. The one thing I remember growing up was, I mean, especially in the summer, it was like we were outside all the time doing stuff, yeah. whether we were yeah. playing sports or whether we were playing those type of games, army or some, you know, reenacting some some TV show or movie or things like that. We were always having fun and, you know, using your imagination sometimes and always had pickup games basketball baseball football mm-hmm. we we're in swimming pools all that kind of stuff so we were always busy i played a lot of sports growing up just on teams and stuff too so depending yeah. on the time of year there was always practice and games going on for that but yeah we we were real busy um <laughs> and, and not really doing anything but but really busy doing it <laughs> right yeah yeah i was uh Baseball was my sport early on, so uh, mini league and little league eventually, and then a little bit of uh, the teenage league in the early '90s. But yeah, we were always we always had a wiffle ball bat in our hand or something, you know. And <laughs> there wasn't was, uh, well, we never had you know enough for a full team. But you know, back then you didn't need stuff like that, and you just kind of played with ghost runners and <laughs> yep he made up rules that allowed you to yeah, do it yep and, that's right yeah uh, it was it was crazy but i i really think some of that stuff is uh is fun and as much as technology and everything has made a lot of things so much better it makes stuff so real that you don't even mm-hmm. need to imagine it anymore it's just it's actually right, right yeah. there absolutely all right, well, for an item that I would probably put in the time capsule to kind of represent what I was into and stuff, I was thinking about those trips to Buzzards and some of the stuff I'd come home with. And this was prime Garbage Bell Kids time. So I'm going to throw a pack of Garbage Bell Kids cards in the time capsule. Nice. That was um, a years where I did a lot of baseball card collecting, too, and had the sticker books remember oh yeah the sticker get, books where you buy the stickers and had to put them yep. into the book i still have all, some <laughs> for my childhood yeah that kind of stuff so but i don't know i guess as far as activities go you'd mentioned playing baseball for me baseball was big especially in the summers back then so maybe um i still have my old baseball glove from that age um and maybe I'd throw that in there. Okay. That sounds great. All right. Well, let's move on to uh, kind of the year review, uh, some uh, items and events and uh, stuff that was happening during that time. One of the big things that happened almost right away in 1986, January 28th, and it was kind of that first where were you moment for me as far as my lifetime that i can remember go back oh i remember where i was and what i was doing when the uh space shuttle challenger exploded you know Mm. that was a one of those moments in time that 
you know, everybody remembers where they were. And I was, uh, I was in school we were watching on TV and in the lunchroom. I remember that they sent us home early that day and it was weird. You know, we kind of knew what happened. We weren't sure really why we were being sent home and it would kind of, you know, sink in a little bit, probably within the next couple of days after that. And, you know, understanding what was going on there for, so for a, the nine year old that I was, you know, it was still impactful, but at the same time, I don't think I understood what had happened right away. Yeah, it was, um, I was the same situation. We watched it in our school. We didn't have the whole school together to watch it. They had rolled in one of the TVs on the, on the cart into each room and we were watching it on a TV like that. It was still at a time when just launching a space shuttle was almost something you would maybe stop and watch just because it was uh, a sight to see. I remember actually being down in Florida for uh, a launch one time and seeing uh, a space shuttle go up and, you know, we weren't at the place live, but we were close enough that we were able Mm -hmm. to pull over on the side of the road and watch it. But (laughs) beside the point, um, it was something that you still kind of watched and you kind of, I remember kind of half paying attention and like, Oh yeah, it's kind of cool. The teacher's going to space, that kind of thing. And then often it happened. It's just like, Oh my gosh, it, it, Mm -hmm. you like, well, that can't be, I mean, that can't happen. It's yeah. Yeah. It's that, that was just part of it as well. Almost disbelief that, this has to be a movie we're watching or something mm-hmm. that's uh, this stuff doesn't happen in real life. You know, exactly. uh, one thing going through that, just uh, doing research and I look at wiki, but I don't always trust wiki, but something that they had on there, which I had not remembered was uh, punky Brewster did a, one of those quote unquote, very special episodes on March 6th, uh, just a couple months later. Uh, concerning her reaction to the space shuttle challenger disaster. And I had not been into punky Brewster, but to turn that around and release uh, something like that pretty quickly after it happened, actually it's really, it was just over a month later. Uh, I had not known that. Yeah. I vaguely remember it, but I don't, it wasn't like, I don't even know if I watched it or if I just remember Mm -hmm. it happening or whatever, but, um, but yeah, I remember watching like Reagan come on and, and mm-hmm. do his address. I kind of remember that for some reason. That kind of sticks in my head a little mm-hmm. bit. I was able to go to um, Arlington Cemetery a couple of years ago when I was in Washington, D.C., and they have a monument there for for that flight as well at, at the oh, cemetery. Okay. That, um, I had not remembered cool that. Very cool. All right. Well, we're going to be jumping around from serious stuff to <laughs> just kind of off the wall <laughs> stuff as well. And, and this is what I love about Wiki. So, '86, there was uh, several space-related events going on. Uh, in March, there was Halley's Comet, and I remember that being a, a pretty big deal. It reached the closest point to Earth in in uh, March of that year, and that being all over the news. Uh, the, <laughs> Wiki has an item here back in January, and this is their official phrase here, quote unquote, the Voyager 2 space probe makes its first encounter with Uranus. 
<laughs> <laughs> Who writes this stuff? I don't know, but you know, space. <laughs> right, space, uh, space, and you know that whole the final frontier, or whatever. That was still like you said. It was stop what you're doing and let's watch this shuttle go up. It really was still at that point. So here's a date that you might want to mark down if you ever find yourself. In a uh, time machine, March 14th, 1986. This is when Microsoft holds its initial public offering of stock shares. So uh, <laughs> go back to March 14th, buy up all the Microsoft stock you want to, and uh, you'll be all set. You'll have a maybe an alternate 1986 you have to go through, but uh, <laughs> you can mark that one, <laughs> that one down. Another pretty big moment... In 86 that uh, really I don't remember much uh, As a kid not like the the Challenger disaster but it was still A huge disaster and that was Chernobyl In uh, April 26th which uh, of course The uh, mishandled Safety test there at the nuclear Power plant and It really affected that whole region It killed at least 4,000 people Damaged almost $7 billion of property and 350,000 people were forcibly uh, asked to resettle, you know, uh, move from that area. So it was just uh, a disaster. You know, that many people, I I, I had not realized it was over 4,000 people that lost their lives in in that accident. So there's, I have seen and you get a little history of it now and then, but I just don't remember it being uh, impactful as to my nine-year-old brain, you know, uh, back in 1986. Well, I know they were, one of the things was I don't think Russia wanted to let all that negative publicity get out to the world either. So I I believe there was some attempts to kind of hold back some of the details and not share how serious it was at first as it, finally got big enough that they couldn't do that anymore it it became uh more obvious what what was yeah. happening but yeah. at that time too you, you just didn't know what the the long-term effects were and i'm sure there's still people suffering from absolutely you know, effects of that and you know fish with five eyes and things <laughs> like that yeah covered on a one of the first episodes of The Simpsons, if I remember right. <laughs> I don't know if it was necessarily tied to Chernobyl, but anyway. Um, all right, something a little bit lighter here as a, an event from 1986. Hands Across America. There we go. <laughs> remember this? Uh, yes, I remember. According to Wiki here, uh, at least 5 million people form a human chain <laughs> in certain cities, from New York City all the way out to Long Beach, California, in an attempt to raise... Money to fight hunger and homelessness. Uh, I did not realize the event was implemented through the USA for Africa. I don't want to say company, but that uh, brand under the direction of Marty Rogol, who was the uh, executive director. And it had a theme song. I had forgot it had a theme song. Hands <laughs> Across America. It was uh, uh, sung by uh, a couple session singers and the band Toto. Peaked at number uh, 65 on the... Hot 100 chart in 86. So that's probably why I didn't <laughs> remember too well. I didn't make the top 40. But uh, yeah, I remember this being uh, at least a, a hearing it on the news and being aware of it as a kid. Yes, I 
kind of the same thing, you know, they did little fluff pieces kind of on, on the news showing the people. And I remember the logo with the kind of the red, white, and blue people mm-hmm. holding hands kind of thing. I remember that. And, uh, but you figure, I mean, technically it was only 15 minutes long, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something uh-huh. like that. It was just like, because they went across the whole actual yeah. 48 yeah. states, I guess. Yeah. You can, it's got all the states listed, but yeah, at 3 p.m. Eastern time, hundreds of radio stations played the song at the same time, and then everybody got out there and held hands. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was a time, I mean, some of that stuff, as cheesy as it sounds, I mean, I mean, obviously they raised some money and yeah, and, and did some good with it, hopefully, and if you look at those years there, we, we had... Uh, we are the world and you had live aid and you had some of the other yeah yeah uh, farm aid and all the charity concerts and things like that at least uh people were trying to do some good with that's with right their, yeah their yeah. stage they were given i'm giving a hard time but yeah that's i was trying to find what uh if they had an amount there or something that was raised but yeah it was all go you know going to a good cause but right still just kind of a pin drop in 1986 now, you know now people wouldn't want to hold hands because there would be too many germs and <laughs> right yeah yeah have to uh six feet apart yeah you know, we could we could stretch uh all the way up through canada you know whatever yeah, not quite, <laughs> not Down Mexico. Many people. yeah all right uh just a few more things just to uh kind of get a survey here of 1986 some brands that were born in 1986 dockers did you wear, wear dockers Back in the day. No. I, <laughs> I didn't either. <laughs> I did not. Dockers were kind of, I don't know, they seemed like upscale or, you know, only what business people or whatever people were. Right. I don't know. I'm trying to remember the, the commercials too. I know the commercials were huge, but Dockers uh, was born in 1986. The company Entertech, which <laughs> they were the ones that had those squirt guns that looked like Uzis, you know, that were... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, eventually taken away. They were born <laughs> in 1986. Uh, I remember playing with those. That's why I threw that in there. Uh, the fast food chain Five Guys was born in 1986. Do you have any Five Guys up there in Milwaukee? Yeah, we have a few in this area. I, mm-hmm. I like I like their food, and uh, but I didn't realize they'd been around that long. Yeah, 1986. And then uh, one more, Thai Incorporated, the company that would go through the roof in the 90s with their beanie, beanie babies <laughs> yes so they uh, were founded in 1986 uh, it took a few years to take off there but <laughs> once they did look out man that was a major major thing major piece of pop culture in the early 90s a couple marriages famous marriages in 1986 how about arnold schwarzenegger and maria shriver they were married in 86 and uh, Tommy Lee and Heather Locklear uh, before Pam came around. <laughs> <laughs> they were one of the, the power couples in rock and roll. Yeah. In uh, 1986. Okay. So here's a few uh, births and a few people that passed away in 86 to give you a little, again, a little temperature of uh, the year. Born in 86, Charlotte Flair, Ric Flair's daughter, who's a pretty big name in the WWE nowadays. And also Seth Rollins, a WWE wrestler, has been uh, 
you know, a, a pretty famous wrestler for the last uh, probably decade or so. The new Batman, Robert Pattinson, was born in 1986. <laughs> Shia LaBeouf and Megan Fox, who were starring in the Transformers movies, you know, both of them were 1986 births. The Olsen twins were born in 1986. And Usain Bolt, the fastest <laughs> man in the world, was born in 86. So those they are all 35 years old this year. And... uh People that had passed away in 86, Cary Grant, the famous actor, pretty big Hollywood star there, and Donna Reed, famous TV star, of course, <laughs> Donna Reed show, Ted Knight, uh, oh, yes. Mary Tyler Moore show, and of course, Caddyshack. <laughs> <laughs> well, mm-hmm. we're waiting. <laughs> uh, love him in that movie. And Desi Arnaz. Passed away in 86. A lot of uh, behind-the-scenes stuff that he did uh, just with the technical kind of side of television and the slave camera. And if, if you ever really get dig into his uh, career outside of, you know, just being on I Love Lucy, they both of them with the Desilu uh, production company really you know, put out some great stuff and were innovators uh, in the industry. So. Desi Arnaz. Uh, all right. So as a time capsule item, I think I'll see if I can find like a something for the challenger, like a commemorative uh, pin or a patch or something. Need to throw yeah, something that's like what that I was in there. there. Yeah. Na- NASA hat or something, you know, to kind good. of represent the year. Okay. Let's get on to music. Moving right along. The top five singles. This is, uh, I do my own kind of top list here for these and this is the, the most weeks at number one so a pretty big song uh if you're on this list the number one song of 1986 Dion warwick and friends that's what friends are for was at the top for four weeks it was, i'm trying to think who all was in that it was uh it was stevie wonder stevie wonder and Elton uh, john and um Anna gladys Ritchie? knight no, gladys, gladys knight yeah okay very big song. Uh, the rest of these all were number one for three weeks. Falco's Rock Me Amadeus. Nice. And that was a, I guess he was a one-hit wonder, really, wasn't he? I don't remember him having really anything outside of that, but that was such a mega hit. Well, he was a a big star in Germany um, mm-hmm. prior to having some hits here, so I'm sure he had some hits, international yeah. hits that might, I mean, just from our perspective, though, too. I mean, I don't. I, don't, I mean, Falco. You think of Rock Me Amadeus. Of course. Uh, another big year for this was a big year for uh, Whitney Houston. Greatest Love of All. That was on top for three weeks. More about her album here in a minute. Patti LaBelle and Michael McDonald on my own. Such a great song. Mm-hmm. And if you ever uh, dig into the history on that song, they actually recorded it separately. One in New York, one in L.A. I think Patti LaBelle was in New York. Michael McDonald was in L.A. And if you've watched the music video, they are never on screen together. It's always them <laughs> back and forth like they shot the music video the same way. I always thought that was interesting. So, and it's a great song. And number five, Huey Lewis and the News stuck with you. Three weeks at number one in 1986. Might be their biggest song. I, I don't know if they had one that was... Uh, at more weeks at number one, but they have some other ones that reach number one. I do know that. All right. Top five albums 
And again, this is the most weeks at number one on the Billboard charts. Whitney not necessarily Houston. released that year, but they were uh, on the chart. Right. right. Actually, I think most of these were released that same year. There is some crossover there. So Whitney Houston's self-titled debut album was on top for 14 weeks in 1986. And then another 10 weeks in 1987. This is around when you know certain singles were released from the album. Right. So that was on top for 24 weeks total. Uh, over those two years, the Top Gun soundtrack. I remember when we had really good soundtracks. I mean, yeah. just uh, in the last, I don't know, decade or two, you think of maybe Guardians of the Galaxy as being one of the uh, a soundtrack that everybody kind of came together and bought, you know, not like the compilation we used to have, but Top Gun soundtrack was huge. It was uh, number one for five weeks back in 86. Number three on this list is Madonna's True Blue, which was also at five weeks. Also at number four was uh, a live album by Bruce Springsteen, the 1975 to 85 era. That spent five weeks at number one towards the end of the year and then two weeks into 1986. So that was a pretty big album for The Boss. And at number five, another soundtrack, Miami Vice. Four weeks a total at number one, three weeks in the beginning of 86 and one week from 1985. So I believe that was released in the fall of 85, which is a great album. And the two follow-ups too. I own all three of those on vinyl. I love those soundtracks and just a few events in music. This was the first year that the rock and roll hall of fame opened. So uh, I wrote down the first inductees, which is a pretty Good list uh, compared to recent years that I've seen. But, <laughs> you know, you got to start with the big hitters, right? So uh, Elvis Presley, of course, uh, mm-hmm. Jerry Lee Lewis, Little Richard, Buddy Holly, the Everly Brothers, Fats Domino, Sam Cooke, Chuck Berry, James Brown, and Ray Charles. That was your initial class into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Pretty solid there. Uh, other notable releases for 1986, as far as uh, albums go, how about Duran Duran's Notorious? Mm-hmm. That was big. Uh, Beastie Boys, Licensed to Ill, yeah. very big. Uh, you a Weird Al fan? How about Polka Party? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Chicago 18, this was the first album without Peter Cetera, which was still a pretty big hit, but also the same year in 86, uh, Cetera released his, I think it's uh, the Solitaire Solitude album, which had the Glory of Love on it from the Karate Kid 2 soundtrack. So they were kind of battling back and forth there. during Van, the- Halen, Van Halen and David Lee Roth kind of did the same thing, too. That, that's right. Yeah, they released uh, 5150 in 86, and David Lee Roth had the Eat Him and Smile album release. So they both released. We also had uh, Huey Lewis's Four released that year bon jovi slippery when wet i know you know about that one mm-hmm. lionel richie dancing on the ceiling I remember having that 45 uh to <laughs> that single in my uh, mother's collection there that i spun uh, another kind of band and former lead singer genesis releasing invisible touch and peter gabriel releasing so in 86 yeah those are two of my favorites from that year Mm-hmm. ACDC's Who Made Who, 
Run DMC's Raising Hell. That was one I was waiting for. That's yeah, a big yeah. one for me that year. And one that I had not realized, but the New Kids on the Block first album was 86. I always pictured them that Hanging Tough in 80, I think it was 89, was yeah. like their first one because that they just blew up then. But here we are three years earlier, and that's when they uh, had their beginning. So uh, which one of those do you want to throw in as a time capsule item do? Oh, that's a tough one. I remember License to Ill and Raising Hell. Both those albums really took rap music to mainstream that year, mm-hmm. I feel like. So to me, I think that was a pretty big, big moment there. So maybe put both of those in there. I was thinking of putting my uh, Run DMC cassette in there. That was the very first cassette that I remember buying, Raising Hell. <laughs> so we'll just put those two in. That'll be perfect for me Sounds okay good. let's uh get on to comics here kind of skim through these i was uh mainly putting these in here for mickey who was more the comic uh, enthusiast than me and tim here but so uh in 86 we had the batman the dark knight returns four issue series which was written and drawn by frank miller mm-hmm. we had the watchman 12 issue limited series which won a crap load of, of awards if i remember correctly and was a huge yeah. deal yeah i got a definitely a cult following as well. Mm-hmm. well i watched the uh watchman series on hbo max it was pretty interesting i had never read the the graphic novel or any of these you know issues whatever uh up until that point but i was intrigued by it yeah very interesting characters i think some of them were difficult to take from the page onto the screen and that's where some of it struggled um just yeah recreating what they were able to draw on the screen but uh, it was uh it was Zack snyder right that did the the first movie or the mm-hmm. the movie couldn't really get into that but for some reason i guess maybe it was don johnson that sucked me in <laughs> once i realized he was in there and gene smart too uh, you know from uh designing women She's had like a major revival over the last year or so in, in several shows that I've watched. So uh, very fun cast uh, in Watchmen. Also released in 86, The Man of Steel, six-issue limited series. You had the Mutant Massacre crossover storyline that uh, crossed over into X-Men, X-Factor, The New Mutants, Power Pack Thor, and Daredevil. Big storyline event there. And then uh, some new indie publishers that hit the racks in 1986 was Dark Horse and Malibu Comics. So for any of you uh, comic book fanatics out there, thought I'd throw that in there as well. I don't have a capsule item because I wasn't in the comics at that time. So do you maybe have a comic you were reading about that time, Tim? Um, you know, I don't think any of them really jump out at me um, from that year. I had been into some ones earlier than that. I remember my brother had gotten into the Batman, the Dark Knight Returns ones, and he had bought a bunch of that and ended up making some good money off of <laughs> off of what he did there, where I was staying more to my ones I liked reading normally and not necessarily looking at it from the money side. But uh, okay. So, yeah, I don't think I, I have anything to add there. Okay. 
we'll move on to movies. And uh, Tim and I are going to go a little bit more in depth on uh, movies and after hours. But we're going to bring you the uh, top ten at the box office here. So coming in, the number one overall movie at the box office in 1986 was Top Gun. It brought in... $176 million at the box office. Very close behind at number two with $174 million was Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> I can watch both of those anytime. <laughs> Top Gun or Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> number three was Platoon at $138 million, which would win the uh, Oscar and Golden Globe for Best Picture, Best Director in 87 which I believe was Oliver Stone. I have seen it. It's not one that I've gone back and revisited much. It's one of those ones that's very well done and very, very good movie. And, but it's not one that you necessarily want to watch over and over again. That's right. The the subject matters Mm -hmm. of that nature. So I go back and watch the, fluffier more movies more often. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of the same way too. There's periods where I'll go through some more films and, Rewatch some, but yeah, it's not as often as you'd watch a comedy or, you know, one of the tentpole movies of the time. Uh, number four at 115 million. Speaking of Peter Cetera, The Karate Kid Part Two. Uh, number five at 109 million. These numbers sound low. <laughs> I mean, but it was 35 years ago. Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. I just went through a. Star Trek movie marathon with my oldest son and rewatched all of those old going from the motion picture up through the uh, first Chris Pine, you know, the remake of Star mm-hmm. Trek. So that was a fun journey. Uh, number six, this surprised me. That was so high. 91 million back to school. Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah, I love that movie, but I that doesn't feel like one that would be that high on the list. Yeah, I didn't realize it was such a, a box office hit. Uh, number seven at 86 million, Aliens. That's a series I really need to go back and watch at least those first three. Right. Um, I have seen them, but it's been years, and I've never really watched them back-to-back-to-back to back to back like that, so I need to revisit those. Number eight, I remember being a rental and st- watching around, you know, either this year or the next year at a friend's house, I got a sleepover. I think it was rated R. The Golden Child with Eddie Murphy, seventy-nine million. That part where they sh- they have like the person that what are they like a lizard or a dragon or something? Yeah, he's a dragon. Uh that freaked me out. Like <laughs> I was like, wow, I was so scared. Number nine, Ruthless People. 71 million. This is a movie I need to go back and watch because I have never seen it. Oh, wow. uh, Danny DeVito, Bette Midler, Judge Reinhold, Helen Slater, and uh, Bill Pullman in his film debut. Uh, I, I take it you have seen it. Yeah, I've, I saw it probably on rental maybe back then or maybe when mm-hmm. it came to cable or something back then. But as I've gotten older and gone back to watch it, it it has some, it's a pretty funny movie. Mm-hmm. And at number 10, 70 million. I probably watched this the most outside of, I would say, Top Gun and Crocodile Dundee. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yes. Wow. One of my favorites. Yeah. There's yeah, another. 
Top Go Gun ahead. and Ferris Bueller are probably two of my favorite of the whole the whole decade. So yeah, yeah. Cool. There's another John Hughes that came out in '86 that we'll talk about. Uh, that's lower on my list than Ferris Bueller, definitely. But uh, mm-hmm. let's go through real quickly. I've got the top 10 rentals from 1986 via Billboard <laughs> magazine. Number one was Back to the Future. It was the first rental-priced film at $79.95 to sell 450,000 units in the United States. I'm guessing, I don't know if that's as a... I don't know if anybody's paying 80 bucks really back then outside of like rental stores to, you know, dish it out. But I guess that was the price, you know, in that early time. Yeah. They used to to actually own those used to be pretty expensive for, for a while. And then that's made the renting even more cost effective, Mm -hmm. but then eventually the price started falling down, but you used to pay, I mean, you could easily pay $30 for a VHS oh, yeah. tape, even, yeah. even uh, in the years following that. I remember, I'm pretty sure Back to the Future is uh, one of my early rentals where we rented the actual VCR and rented Back to the Future. <laughs> so I might have been one of those one of those people that year that made it uh, close to, or made it number one. Um, let's just go around, run down through the list here. Beverly Hills Cop. Prizzy's Honor at number three, Witness number four, Ghostbusters, Rambo First Blood Part Two, Return of the Jedi, Cocoon, Mask, and Gremlins. Those were your top rentals. It's pretty crazy that Ghostbusters came out in 84 and was still on the list in 86. And then Return of the Jedi came out in 83. Yeah. It was still on the list in 86. It might have been... Yeah, I don't know when they released them on VHS either. You know, it might not have been back, you know, closer to when they were released. So close. Yeah. Yeah. It was probably a while. Okay. And then the, I also have a uh, top 10 list. Can't remember where I found this of home video sales. So I guess this, these are uh, tapes that uh, sold the most that year. So those were rentals before. Tapes that sold the most that year. Jane Fonda, man, she was pulling in some mad dough. Jane Fonda's <laughs> new workout at number one. Jane Fonda's workout at number two. Then you jump to Pinocchio, Beverly Hills Cop, Sound of Music, Jane Fonda's primetime workout, Casablanca, Gone with the Wind, The Wizard of Oz, and The Best of John Belushi. Those were your uh, home video sales. And top 10 in 1986. What movie would you put in as your time capsule item for 86? Oh, there's a few movies that I really love from that year. But to me, Top Gun is the quintessential film, mm-hmm. maybe of the the decade, if not uh, yeah. at least that year. So to me, I think Top Gun's the one. I'm going to put in... Actually, Transformers the movie, which came out in 86. Nice. I saw it in the theater. We'll talk a little bit more about it in After Hours, but that's going to be my movie for 86. All right, moving on. We've got some uh, video games and toys to talk about here. 1986 was the first year that uh, people entered the Konami code. (laughs) (laughs) 
Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, be a start or select start, depending on if you're playing with a friend. <laughs> exactly. Um, that's, when, that's when the Konami code blew up. And, you know, it's, I, I remember using it for Contra, and it was at a friend's house. I didn't own a, an NES at the time, and they had Contra. And putting that in, I felt like this is like cheating. This is like, uh, <laughs> how, how, why did they do this? You know, I, I didn't understand at first really the uh the concept behind you know adding in codes and cheats and stuff at the time i wasn't huge into video games i wasn't you know buying video game magazines or anything at the time to get those tips and you know little tricks and hints that would be so popular but yeah konami code kind of blew my mind uh also 1986 as far as video games go we got the release of the sega master system which is uh, a system that i owned I'm not sure if it was this year or the next year when I got it for Christmas. So that was a very big deal for me. The Atari 7800. I had an Atari 2600, and that was enough for me. I didn't go beyond <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, also, some big ones in the world of Nintendo. Well, it came out in 85, but these games in 86. Uh, Legend of Zelda, Castlevania, Metroid. And can't remember where I found this, but Super Mario Brothers sold more than 1 million copies in 1986. So, uh-huh. this was yeah, the time. Yeah, even though it came out in 85, I think 86 is when it became a little more widespread and, yeah. and more games started coming out. And you start getting that huge groundswell of mm-hmm. almost everybody was moving in that direction. And, yeah, that was... um. That was pretty cool. Like I, like you said, I had an Atari as well, and and I always enjoyed that. And I think Atari was trying to keep up with the Sega and Nintendo <laughs> systems, right. and could not do that, obviously. And the other ones battled it out for for the top spot. But uh, right. yeah, that, for me, at Nintendo Entertainment System became huge there for a couple of years for me. A couple other toys here that I uh, dug up. From 1986, the Glorious Fireball Island board game came out in 86. <laughs> nice. I had to mention that. Some other items here I found. I believe this. <laughs> these are uh, stuff that was in the Sears catalog. Uh, Centurion's action figures. Chuck Norris action figures. Was uh, some other things that came out in 86. Uh, Fievel and An American Tale was pretty big. So a lot of those little plush toys and... Uh, things from the movie, the Lego airport. Oh, Mickey, where are you? You're talking <laughs> about the Lego airport. My buddy and kid sister were popular in 86. You did a piece on, uh, my buddy, <laughs> right on, on the uh, commercial. Yeah. The, the commercials, commercials. Yeah. That song still stuck in my head. Yeah. 35 years later. Going through this list here. My pet monster. Yeah, very fun. I never had one of those, but I I knew some kids who did, and mm-hmm. it was always kind of cool looking. The uh, NFL huddles figures. I remember seeing these and really liking them. I had got something. I don't think it was like an actual one of the plush figures that looked like the uh, the mascots, you know. But mm-hmm. I had some. I have some trading cards somewhere with some of the NFL huddles on there. So I'm not sure what exactly I got to get those, but. Those were a pretty big deal. I remember seeing those in the Sears catalog. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, more stuff that was popular in 86. Teddy Ruxpin was still around. I think he came out the, the previous year. Yeah, I had seen uh, something where Teddy Ruxpin, it came out in 85. It was the best-selling toy of 1985 and also the best-selling toy in 1986. Wow, yeah. Huge, huge, huge. Oh, and then uh, one other thing. The Photon uh, laser tag was pretty big in 86. Yeah. I was looking, uh, I'm over here at uh, thepeoplehistory.com looking at 86 toys. Went for $125, this uh, set of two helmets and the whole gear, you know, for, mm-hmm. for two people. Man, that was some expensive stuff for 86. I didn't know anybody who had those, actually had those, but I yeah. remember always seeing them in the catalog. <laughs> oh, yeah, they, they were always so cool. We never had them either. I remember watching, actually, the Photon TV show and being, <laughs> this is like the coolest thing ever. Uh, but, yeah, never never had any. All right, so as far as a uh, maybe a video game or toy or something you want to toss in as a capsule item, I think I'm going to put my Sega Master System in there. That was such a big deal to me as a kid hmm. i don't know i to me i would have to put in a nes game um maybe we put in contra just to commemorate <laughs> the uh konami code yeah yeah that's a great pick all right let's zip through some uh, food items that were popular and new in 1986 a and w cream soda mm. nice that was the first year they released that. Uh, kudos granola bars. You remember those? Vaguely remember those. The uh, uh, Wendy's released the big classic this year. The uh, bigger burger for Americans' ever-growing appetites. <laughs> <laughs> and their was... constant battle to try to overcome the quarter pounder with cheese or Big Mac. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, how about push pops, lollipops? Where you you know push it with your finger from the bottom and it came up through the top. Okay. Those came out in '86. Pop secret popcorn, microwave popcorn, huh. came out in '86. I thought this was funny. Have you ever made monkey bread? Monkey bread was popular in '86, uh, mainly because First Lady Nancy Reagan served it at the White House and had it in her uh, White House cookbook that year. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> And then, uh, how about some cereals that came out in 86? There's one called uh, Almond Delight, which I didn't remember that one. Circus Fun. Now, I remember Circus Fun. That was very colorful. I remember colorful. the box on the shelf, yeah. but I, I never ate it myself. Cereal called Clusters. That was like uh, nut and honey and big clusters of, I guess, nuts in there. Yeah, it looked like it could do some damage to the roof of your mouth. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, Fruit and Fiber came out in 1986. One of my all-time favorites that's not, like, based around a character or something, Fruit Wheats cereal. This was kind of like mini wheats, but they had fruit in the middle, like (laughs) strawberry. Oh, they were so good. I don't remember that. Oh, man. Those are so great. Uh, Honey Graham Checks came out. Uh, A cereal called Horizon, which was some kind of trail mix cereal. I'd never heard of that, or never remembered that at least. Uh, Transformers, the cereal, and another one of my favorites from the '80s, Rocky Road. Oh, those! Mm-hmm. I remember the commercials. They uh, like the there was a marshmallow 
there's a, a couple of like animated characters and the marshmallows in the cereal were covered in chocolate. Oh, they were so good. <laughs> I don't remember that one either. Rocky road. Oh yeah. All right. Well, that was, uh, some food items from 1986. Mm-hmm. I think I'll put in that fruit wheat cereal as my item. <laughs> Cause that, that was so good, man. I remember digging into those. Anything, uh, pop out of you among that list. I don't think anything jumped out at me on that list. Okay. Was, uh, I don't remember much of those, uh, those things, a lot of granola, a lot of, uh, that yeah. type of stuff. It seemed like people were trying to head in that direction. Absolutely. All right. We're going to run through the sports highlights of 1986, and then we're going to end with TV. So recapping, uh, 1986 sporting events, probably the major thing, or one of the major, uh, stories of the year was the New York Mets and their four games to three win in the world series over the Red Sox. That moment that goes down in infamy <laughs> and I think it was game six where the Mets were down, I think in the 10th inning and they had like, they were down to like their last out and maybe got a hit. And then there's that, error by a bill buckner down first base where the ball rolls through his legs and i think it's gary carter that scores the winning run for to to win the game six and force a game seven which they won it was Uh, ray Ray knight scored the run okay mookie mookie wilson got the hit yeah i remember mookie now yeah hitting the ball and going through buckner's legs so that was a pretty big moment in baseball history and uh, those amazing Mets of uh, 1986. 86 was uh, the year of the Chicago Bears. 46 yeah. to 10 over the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Everybody calls it the 85 Bears, but obviously the Super Bowls held in. Played in 86, yeah. 86, and they kind of finished that year with the... I still am amazed that a team had the audacity to come out with a song like the Super Bowl <laughs> Shuffle and then follow through on it. That's, right. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely lived up to all the hype. In college football, the Oklahoma Sooners beat my Penn State Nittany Lions 25-10 to 10 for the national championship. Vinny Testaverde was the Heisman Trophy winner that year from the Miami Hurricanes. The uh, Boston Celtics were NBA champions, beat the Houston Rockets four games to two. Larry Bird, of course, was the finals MVP and the overall MVP of uh, the league that year. November 22nd, Mike Tyson knocks out Trevor Burbick in round two to become the youngest world heavyweight boxing champion at 20 years old and four months. Mm. So that uh, had not realized that one all the way back to 86, his career. Yeah. Stanley Cup, if you're a hockey fan, the uh, Canadians win four games to one over the Flames. And then, of course, we got to talk about NASCAR because, uh, well, Mickey's not here, but <laughs> Dale Earnhardt won the Whiston Cup that year, his second. And the, this was the start of the bad luck for Dale at Daytona because Jeff Bodine won the Daytona on essentially fuel mileage. He uh, was going dueling back and forth with Dale. Dale was forced to pit for gas with three laps to go and blew the engine as he's leaving the pits, which allowed uh, Jeff Bodine to cruise on to victory, a margin of over 11 seconds. That was crazy. But yeah, that was uh, 
up through 1998. So like 12 years of struggle there for Dale and even going back beyond that uh, to win the Daytona 500. The AP male athlete of the year was Larry Bird. The woman of the year was Martina Navratilova, tennis player. And the SI sportsman of the year was Joe Paterno. <laughs> uh, so there you have it. That's a look at uh, sports for 1986. I, in my sticker book, for some reason, which I think I, uh, I posted pictures online. I think it's from 1984 when I started the book. I've got stickers of the New York Mets in there for some reason. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to put those uh, New York Mets stickers as my time capsule item. Either that or maybe a uh, Refrigerator Perry G.I. Joe figure. One of those two. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> um, growing up here and being a Packer fan, it's hard to uh, ever cheer for the Bears. But that, like I said, that was a pretty impressive team there. And if anything, I would say some maybe a Super Bowl shuffle 45 record or something yes. like that we could throw like in it. there. Or, uh, you know, Jim McMahon's headband or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. All right, we're going to end with the uh, TV in our 1986 time capsule. I'm going to use the fall of 86 through the spring of 87 Nielsen ratings as kind of our basis for the top TV shows. Number one, number two, and number three all came from NBC on Thursday night. The Cosby Show, Family Ties, and Cheers. Those were your top three shows uh, during that 86, 80, spring of 87 season. Number four was the staple on uh, CBS Sunday nights, Murder, She Wrote. And 60 Minutes came in at number six on the list. Number five, an NBC show on Saturday night. You know what that would be, Tim? An NBC show on Saturday night. On Saturday night. Top five. Mm. Nothing jumps to mind from Saturday night. I know Saturday night used to be a big TV night back in the 80s. Mm -hmm. It was uh, the Golden Girls. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Saturday yeah. night was uh, when they were showing the Golden Girls. That made the top five. Number seven... Uh, another NBC show from Thursday, following up all those other three shows I just mentioned, Night Court, which I think eventually moved to like Wednesdays or some other uh, slot later on. And then the last three shows were a block on ABC Tuesday nights, which was Growing Pains, Who's the Boss, and Moonlighting. Nice. So those were I really your liked. I liked Moonlighting a lot, that show. Um... Mm-hmm. Always was, uh, was a favorite of mine. Some other th uh, things, debuts and uh, events in the world of television in 1986. This was the year that uh, Geraldo Rivera hosted the live two-hour <laughs> special for the mystery of Al Capone's vault, <laughs> yes. which infamously came up empty-handed. Wow. <laughs> yeah. We're going to look in Al Capone's vault. You know, he's going to have the, the heads of every crime boss in there that, you know, whatever. I don't know what they were expecting to find, but. And even though uh, it turned out like to be nothing back then, I mean, they got people tuning in to watch it just in case yeah. something happened. And that's the whole goal was to have people watch it. So even though he didn't find anything, I think they still accomplished yeah. getting the, uh, the viewers and 
And I don't know how long Gerardo Rivera had been on the air at that point, but I'm sure that just boosted him. <laughs> I, one of the what was one of the Tom Hanks movies I was watching? He was in it. Uh, had a couple takes in there. It might have been that uh, the Vanities, uh, the one with Bond, Bruce Willis, Bonfire. Bonfire Van- yeah, I think he's in that. And that was I think 1990. But anyway, yeah, it shot him into you know doing movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, 86 was the first film review program for Siskel and Ebert at the movies made its debut. They were both, uh, reviewers in Chicago newspapers Chicago. And, mm-hmm. and then they, um, they were almost like rivals and then they put them on a show together, which yeah. was kind of interesting. It, it yeah, made it, did, for some... it made for some, uh, very fun. It made for a very fun watch, uh, them mm-hmm. going back and forth at each other sometimes because they yep. did have distinct styles, but. They did agree, I think, too often. (laughs) Or at least didn't agree with me, too, when I would tune in to watch. The highest-rated program in 1986 was the Return to Mayberry TV movie. Where they brought back all of the Andy Griffith characters. I think, I want to say there was 12 or 14 of them that came back for the TV movie. So... Still, I know Mickey's very, very high <laughs> on the Andy Griffith show. I had to throw that in there. Exactly. That in, uh, it was still, at that point, you know, very, uh, very strong. Uh, of course, Dallas was one of the biggest shows during this time. And this was the, uh, the infamous uh, Bobby Ewing reveal to being alive and showering in his uh, ex-wife's uh, bathroom at mm-hmm. the uh, season finale. Of Dallas, and then in the premiere, it was shown that that whole last season was just a dream. <laughs> craziness on that show, and I remember my parents being glued to it. And I, I think that's probably the first like real reveal moment on a TV show where I can remember mom being like, "What? What? <laughs> He's alive? You know, whatever." <laughs> just you know. Yeah, Even more so than the the you know who shot Jr. moment, I think was right. They was had to figure than... out a way to top. They had to figure out a way to top that cliffhanger. Exactly. So they went for that and kind of were setting the 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 bar for doing that type of uh, season yeah. ending cliffhangers. <laughs> All right, and then we're just going to go through some uh, debuts from 1986. Some television shows: Matlock, Perfect Strangers. The syndicated show, A Current Affair, Maury Povich. I still have that uh, those effects and that theme in my back of my brain. Uh, <laughs> WWF debuted a couple shows, The Superstars of Wrestling and The Wrestling Challenge. The Oprah Winfrey Show started in 1986. Pee-wee's Playhouse. Uh, a yeah. couple of dramas, L.A. Law and The Starman. I remember watching Starman as a kid. Head of the class, the nightmare fuel Zubilee Zoo. Do you remember that one where, uh, who was it? Ben Vereen and, oh, they dressed in like the uh, animal characters. I mean, yeah. you look at it now, it's crazy, but I remember watching it. Uh, probably the biggest show or the, uh, the one I watched the most in 86 would have been Alf. Uh, the show Sledgehammer, which I keep, people keep telling me that I need to watch it. I've never watched it. Amen, 
I remember watching that a lot. My Graham loved the Jeffersons, and that was just a natural progression for <laughs> George, you know. He, he just can, became, a, became a preacher. Yeah. Uh, Deacon, was it Deacon Fry was his name? Anyway, the uh, Nickelodeon game show Double Dare debuted in 86. And then uh, Joan Rivers got her own talk show, The Late Show, on Fox. That debuted in 1986. Yeah. And then uh, some cartoon debuts. We had the Ghostbusters. That it would be the real Ghostbusters and the Filmation Ghostbusters. Okay. Both were 86. The Silverhawks, the Pound Puppies, Teen Wolf, uh, Rambo Force of Freedom, and Dennis the Menace. Those all debuted in 86. So a lot of ideas where they, they didn't come up with their own ideas. They just took something that was already in existence yeah. and tried to make an animated show about it. That's right. That's right. So uh, I don't know what to put in as a uh, as a time capsule. I know ALF was huge for me, so I'll just put in like uh, my ALF plush doll that I had. That's what I was just going to say. I have an <laughs> ALF plush sitting right here. I can uh, throw him Perfect. in there. Perfect. All right. Well, I think that is uh, that is our time capsule from 1986. Man, that was a fun journey. Yeah, it was a great year as far as that stuff. It was right at that cusp as the things were changing in pop culture and electronics were starting to become even more prevalent. And you had a stuffed animal as a main character on a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to jump back in the time machine. We're head back to the present time and we'll tell you a little bit more about what's coming up in after hours tonight. Well, we hope you enjoyed our journey through 1986, our time capsule. Would love to hear uh, maybe some of your memories of 1986. Maybe some items you throw in a time capsule that would be uh, more personal to you. You can uh, send us a tweet at TRN Social. You can also find our personal accounts at RD80s. Tim is at Old School 80s. And uh, would look forward to hearing from you this week on 1986. Such a great year. Uh, please subscribe and rate the Retro Network Time Machine on Apple Podcasts. We would appreciate that. Helps us move up the charts, as a lot of our Retro Network shows have been recently. We'd love to join them. And you can also join us tonight at 6 p.m. Eastern on Patreon. Our VIPs uh, get access, exclusive access, to the After Hours Podcast. And we are going to dive a little bit deeper into the movies of 1986, Tim. Uh, some great ones in there. A few that we mentioned that uh, are some of our favorites, but there were so many more that just going through this list, I'm like, yeah, this is going to be a, a fun discussion. Yeah, some of my all-time favorites come out of uh, that year, so look forward to it. All right, so that's uh, over on Patreon tonight, patreon.com forward slash the Retro Network. Hope to see you there. And uh, next week, hopefully Mickey will be back. Tim, I appreciate you coming along with me on this journey. I uh, had a fun doing it, and I hope Mickey's back as well. But if he's not, you know, I'm always ready to pinch hit if necessary. <laughs> okay. Well, we uh, appreciate all you guys listening. Hope to see you on Patreon tonight for After Hours. If not, we will see you back here next week in time. 
All right, let's keep moving along here. <clears throat> Don't want to be up until 10 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll be all right. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.